0: So we're going to get to that here in a second. Uh, Before we do, um, those of you who were here last week and joined us, um, or maybe you caught the the service online, uh, know that we had um, a potential new hire um, here on the stage with us. Jake and Mallory Woods were here candidating for an assistant pastor position. Um, I actually offered them the job and they accepted that job. So they're going to be joining our staff. Um, probably mid to late July or August. We'll let you know more um, about that in the the days and the weeks to come. But um, we got a new staff member coming on. It's going to make the average age of our staff drop dramatically. (laughs) This is a good thing. We want young leaders. We want to, to continue to reach the next generation. This is one of the ways that we can do that. Um, as a church, is hire hire younger staff pour into them, and then give them the keys to the church van and let them let them go. So that's what we're gonna do. Um, all right, part two of Kaleo, uh, which is the Greek word that means what. Called, yeah, he's called, invited, summoned. Uh, We're taking um, the month of June and just talking about um, what we believe we're called to, what Jesus calls us to um, as followers of Jesus and what that looks like for us specifically as a church and what does that look like for us as a church in this current cultural moment um, that we find ourselves in. Um, And last week was was all about the the call to make disciples. We looked at Jesus' last words to his disciples. And any time somebody has last words, you usually lean in and pay attention to what they're saying. Um, and, and with Jesus' last words, we most certainly do that. He looked at his disciples that day and said, I want you to go. I want you to make disciples. I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I want you to teach them everything that I've taught you. I want you to teach them to obey everything I've taught you. And, and surely I am with you to the very end of the age. And that call to make disciples didn't stop with them. They made disciples to the, of the next generation and the next generation and the next generation and the next generation and on, and on and on and on and on throughout history. And here we are. We're modern day followers of Jesus. We're disciples of Jesus. And the call to make disciples remains the same for us. That call didn't die with them. So what does it look like for you as an individual to make disciples? What does it look like for us as a church um, to make disciples? Because there's an individual call and a corporate call. And I want to I just get right back into that today today with um, something else that we're called to as followers of Jesus, we're called to serve, right? And and what I want to do today is I want to look at something that Jesus prayed for you about. And I don't want to go too quick by that, okay? The great I am that you just sang about and sang to prayed for you 2,000 years ago. And then... Paul, about 30 years later, Took um, what Jesus prayed about, and he looked at how it kind of played out and worked in the local church because he had thirty years of local church history and ministry that he could look at it and say, "I think this is how it looks." So we're going to look real quickly at what Jesus prayed for, and then we're going to spend the majority of our time in what Paul kind of fleshes um, this out. So John 17 is where we're going to start. If you want to turn there in your Bible or mobile device, we're kind of dropping into the middle of his prayer. We're not going to look at the whole thing. Um, but drop it into the middle of his prayer. at John 17, verse 20. Here's Jesus, part of Jesus' prayer. He says, My prayer is not for them alone. He's talking about the original disciples, the guys that are there in the room with him or the guys that he knew. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Jesus isn't just praying for Matthew and Mark and John and Bartholomew and Judas. He's not just praying for those guys in the room because he knew those guys were eventually going to influence generations of people because Matthew's in the room and he's taking notes, right? Like if you've, um, if you've watched the series The Chosen, the, 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 the character of Matthew is unbelievably good. Right? It's just he's constantly taking notes. And, and um, you know, Mark is going to take Peter's notes and create his gospel. John is right there. He's, he's just taken all of this in, and he'll eventually write, his account. The, the original disciples took the call to make disciples seriously and eventually they taught not only in their generation but generations beyond them and that's who Jesus is praying for. Jesus is praying for you and I that the, those who will believe is you and I. That's us. Here's what he prayed specifically for us about. Look at verse 21 or the second part of verse 20. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message that all of them or us may be What? One. He asks, he prays, God, make them one just as you are in me and I am in you. And as you read the rest of this prayer, as you look at Jesus's ministry, as you look at how kind of the, 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 the first followers of Jesus took the ministry that Jesus handed them and, and go on, you start to realize this, this oneness thing isn't an Obi-Wan Kenobi, you know, the force is with you and I am the force. And it's not that kind of oneness. It's not mystical. The oneness Jesus is praying about here is oneness in purpose, oneness in mission, oneness in goal. That, that Jesus asked the Father no personal agendas, no silos, no sideways energy, that God would you help them to be on mission. Just as you and I in the Spirit are on mission, I want them to be on mission together? Would you help them be that in the some same way as you and I are? And here's here's the desired result. Here's what he wanted our oneness to accomplish. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. This is amazing. This is amazing. I don't know if you ever thought about this before, but Jesus was praying, Heavenly Father, all the people who believe as a result of what these guys say and write, would you help them be so aligned in their purpose that people who don't believe in me would start to believe in me? That their, their, their uniqueness, that their oneness, their unity of purpose, that people would see that and they would believe that you sent me. Which means, like, if, if the church gets this right, the big C church and all the little C churches, if local church gets this right, if local churches get this right, uh, groups of followers of Jesus get this one thing right. People start believing things they've never believed before. They start putting their faith in things they'd never put their faith in before. They, the, the things that they're skeptical about, the things that they just can't get their minds around, that people who, who've never read the Bible would read the Bible. People who weren't interested in coming to church on Sunday morning, because Sunday morning is the morning I sleep in. Why would I, go, why would I get up and go to church? That people who are completely resistant to those things would start to become, that would be a part of their life because Christians are on mission together. One in purpose, one in goal. They're getting this oneness thing right. But the opposite is also true, isn't it? That That get this wrong, and we're the reason people don't believe. That, that for some of you, this is the reason that you have a, a son or a daughter, a dad or a mom, a friend, a, a brother-in-law, a sister-in-law, that they just can't get there because they've met too many church people who've missed this. That, that the reason they don't take the Bible seriously is because they've met so many people who say they take the Bible seriously, but they pick and choose which part of the Bible to take seriously that the reason they don't believe is because they've met some people who say they believe, but their life looks exactly like theirs. Why would I want that? Come on, when the church, the local church and the big C church gets this wrong, when people come together in the name of Jesus and they're not on the same mission as Jesus, we so misrepresent Jesus that people don't believe in him. But when the church gets this right, when we come together and we're one, this oneness thing, it doesn't mean that everybody's going to believe. That's not what he's saying. It doesn't mean that all society's ills are immediately cured. But there's something attractive. There's something intriguing about people who are on mission together in a world that is consistently fractured. There's something different about that. You could say there's something holy about that. And so Jesus prayed. I think he prayed because he knew how difficult it was going to be. And 2,000 years later, has it been difficult? Oh, my goodness. But he prayed, Heavenly Father, if you don't do anything else, please, 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 please help them to get this one thing right. And then about 30 years after that, Paul comes along, not 130 years, not 300 years, 30 years after Jesus prayed this prayer, Paul comes along and Paul planted all of these churches. All He started all these churches around the Mediterranean rim and he started to notice something in these churches. And, and so in this letter to the church in Ephesus, which became the book of Ephesians, he takes what Jesus had to say. And remember, Paul didn't really have the, the gospel of John to look at like we have it. It was floating around at that time, but Paul couldn't go back and reference, okay, this is what Jesus says. Have you noticed that Paul doesn't really quote Jesus a whole lot in his, in his letters? Because he didn't really have the, 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 the Gospels like we have the Gospels. He had spent time with the original followers of Jesus. We, he, he, had the, he had the Holy Spirit guiding and directing him. But Paul takes this same idea that Jesus prayed about 30 years earlier, and he, he, he says, this is how it could look. This is, here's an analogy that you might think about when it comes to the local church. Ephesians chapter 4, starting verse 3. He says, make every effort. In other words, this is really important. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body. We'll come back to that in a minute. There's one body and one Spirit, just as you were, here's our word, called. This is what you've been invited to. This is what you've been summoned to. This is what this is the identity of followers of Jesus. Just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But But pause right there. He says make every effort to stay unified. How much effort? How much effort? Every Every effort, this is what we're called to. Stay on mission. Don't get sideways. Don't bicker about carpet color. Don't complain when something doesn't go how you want it to go. Don't give up on trying to reconcile after you've tried it once. Make every effort because this is all about oneness. You have one Father. You have one Spirit. You have one baptism. One, 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 over and over, over. But... And then he makes an observation that we've all made at one time or another. He noticed all these little churches, even though they were small, they were made up of people who were not all alike. And he makes this observation. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. That we're supposed to be one. We're all going in the same direction, but we're not all exactly the same. That in Jesus, one of the Beautiful things about Jesus' church, both locally and globally, is that there's diversity in unity. That we're not all gonna we're not all gonna think the same because we're not all come from the same background. We're not all gonna look the same. We're not all gonna vote the same. We're not all gonna view things that are happening around us the same, that there's diversity in unity, that's because in Jesus's church, Jesus has given us all a grace gift. He's apportioned to us a grace gift. Paul's not talking about saving grace here. He's talking about something that makes you better at some things than others. A grace that makes you hate some things and love other things. A grace that, that, that makes you love to do the things I hate and hate to do the things I love. That, that, that we're all one in purpose but we're not all exactly the same. There's diversity and unity. Skip down to verse 11. So Christ himself gave to each of these churches, to each of these individuals, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers. Paul says God gave different people different abilities and gifts and leadership abilities. In, in other passages in the New Testament, um, Paul, or Paul gives other lists.